So one of the things I have always found myself amused by is the many ways that people use duct tape. Duct tape, which was originally designed over a hundred years ago to wrap steel cables, believe it or not, and, and to, to seal ammunition boxes. Duct tape has been used for everything that you can think of. You can use it to patch up a rip in a tent until you can buy a new one. You can use it to remove splinters. If you don't have tweezers, just stick it on your skin and slowly peel it off. It will get the splinter out. It'll take your skin off too, but the splinter will be gone. Uh, you, you can use it to hide things under other things. If you wanna hide a key, just duct tape it to the bottom of a table or a desk. You can use it to remove lint from your clothes, hem your pants. I even read an article recently about a kid who used 25 rolls of duct tape to create a prom dress. Her little brother helped her, so, so they made him a duct tape suit. Uh, there is duct tape art duct tape purses, duct tape jewelry. One that I will never try is duct tape hair removal. But I cannot think of any other product, any other invention that has found so many uses. And yet, more often than not, it's a poor substitute for something else that would have been much better. It works to fix your tent in a jam, to get the splinter out of, of you if you don't have tweezers, but it's not the thing that you wanna rely on when you know there's something better for the situation. Take the case of a guy who decided to make a homemade boat out of duct tape and, and use it to cross a channel in Alaska outside of Juneau. He loaded up his dog, a, a bunch of gear, no life vest, put his homemade watercraft into the channel, started rowing, and once he got to a place where he could not get to shore, he started taking on water. Did I mention he wasn't wearing a life jacket? He, he called for help, the Coast Guard came and got him, he and his dog are safe. Fortunately for him, the Coast Guard kindly declined identifying who he was so that he and his bad idea can live in anonymity. But it's just a perfect example of what I mean. Duct tape is wonderful, but I, I am not sure I'm ready to put my life in its hands or my dog's life. Well, I bring this up because I wonder if, if we sometimes don't duct tape the problems that have found their way into our lives. We have things in our personal lives and our relationships and, and we have situations that are not working. They've gotten out of hand. Maybe by just happenstance, you know, life happens. Maybe by our own doing. In fact, as I say that, I bet you can think of something right now that is not going the way you want. And these things that aren't working need a fix. So we try and come up with ways to get out of those problems on our own. I'm gonna try and buy my way out of this problem that I have. I'm gonna call in favors that, that people owe to me and that will solve my problem. Because I'm having trouble with, with the job I'm in right now, that's my problem. I'll run away from my problem by going and finding a new job, that's my fix. Or, or because I'm having trouble with my friendships or, or relationships, I'm gonna tune everybody out and just go it solo for a while and, and, and kinda, that'll be my solution. Because I'm having problems in my marriage, I'm gonna quit this committed relationship without doing the heavy lifting of, of trying to see if we can make it work together. And, and I'm gonna move on to another relationship with another person who's caught my eye, a relationship where we don't have the problems and the baggage that this old one seems to have. We have things that are not going quite right. And, and we come across these 
crises or, or problems in our life, or, or as we're calling it in this series, a, a darkness. And what we are tempted to do is come up with ways to fix it on our own. And inevitably, at best, what we do is duct tape. It's a temporary fix. It's a Band-Aid. It's a duct tape boat on a channel in Alaska. And eventually, while we thought that our fix kind of sort of worked, we now find ourselves taking on water. And I want to tell you today, there is a better solution than duct tape. I want to show you another option that God has for you in your problem, an option that is far more reliable, far more lasting, and it won't leave you sinking. And we find it in this really obscure moment in this book of the Bible called Leviticus. If you want to open up to Leviticus, you can read along. It's the third book in the Hebrew Bible, this part that, that people commonly call the Old Testament or, or the part before Jesus. Uh, it's the part that a Jewish person like Jesus would have grown up learning from, even memorizing large portions of it. And, and the book of Leviticus tells the story of this new nation, God's people, learning what it means to follow him. And in fact, this book is where God lays down a bunch of the rules, the law. Anyway, there's this moment where these two guys, Nadab and Abihu, decide to light a fire. Nadab and Abihu were, were up and coming big deals. God had personally called them out to, to come be priests, and uh, they came from an important family. Their dad was Aaron. Aaron was the brother of Moses. Aaron was like the original priest. These guys grew up knowing, my dad's a priest, someday I'll be a priest too. Because of it, they had fresh robes and, and sashes. They, they wore turbans on their heads with a gold plate on the turban that said, holy to the Lord, meaning we have been set apart as holy to be holy, to lead people into holiness. Well, right before the part I'm about to show you in the Bible, Nadab and Abihu get to take part in the most amazing experience. They're called on to help their dad prepare a number of offerings to God on behalf of all the people. And Leviticus 9 describes these offerings in, in tons of detail. I won't get into it, but, but it's just offering after offering after offering. And, and they follow all of the procedures for these offerings that God asked them to follow. Now, it's important that you know one of the reasons for these offerings is to get God to forgive their sin. In the Hebrew Bible, and, and, and to be clear, it's different from the, the Christian Bible or what we call the New Testament. In the Hebrew Bible, to cleanse yourself of your sin, you would kill something and offer a sacrifice. There's a lot more to it than that, but that's the simple version. Um, the sins that you had committed the night before, the week before, the month before, the year before, there was always an animal sacrifice coming up that would make you clean and able to get God's forgiveness. Now, as Christians... We believe that Jesus comes along and he changes all that. He says, I am the sacrifice for your sins. I am the final sacrifice once and for all. That, that's what Jesus' death on the cross is all about. But this story, this time, is long before Jesus. And the people are having their priests make these offerings mostly as a way to be forgiven. Well, at the very end, when the offerings are all over, Aaron comes before the people. He stands right next to the offering and he blesses the people. He does a big blessing. And the Bible says, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. We, we don't quite know what that means, but some physical manifestation of God appears. I'm not saying they see God, but they see God's glory. 
And then it says, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions of the animal on the altar. Fire comes ripping out of whatever this manifestation of God is and it burns up the offering in a good way. This is God saying, thank you. I am honored by what you've done here today with this offering for the forgiveness of sin. And all the people see this and they shout for joy and they fall face down. We're not worthy. Nadab and Abihu, they got to be a part of this crazy fire experience. Not just see it like everyone else, but they prepared the offering. They were right there with their dad when it happened. Well, the next day, these guys go back out to that altar. And what I have not told you yet is that when it came to this altar, God had made some very clear rules. Back in Exodus, the, the, the book before this one, God says this. He says, you shall not offer unauthorized incense on the altar. Uh, I think it's funny that it words it that way. I, I, I have no idea what unauthorized incense is. I remember when I was in grad school, um, the big thing were those incense sticks. I, I, I'm sure somebody is still using those today somewhere. Uh, we would go down to Venice Beach, and there would be vendors set up on the boardwalk, and, and so many were, were selling incense sticks in their jars, and they had every flavor or scent of incense imaginable. You had vanilla, and then you had lavender, but then, then you had the ones that you didn't really know what they were, but they had great names. Dragon's Blood, Happiness Spirit. Um, my favorite were the Nag Champa sticks. You knew you were getting the good stuff if you were getting the Nag Champa sticks. Thing is, your apartment would smell like incense for weeks after burning just one. Actually, it would smell like stale incense, which meant you had to burn another one to get the smell out. And, and at some point, our grad school landlord started to say, all right, all right, stop. All incense is unauthorized incense in these grad school apartments. Okay, I'm sure that that's not what this verse is talking about, but it's at least what I think of when I read unauthorized incense. Whatever the case, God told them, don't do this. Leave the fire to me. So the day after God burns up this offering, Nadab and Abihu go out to the altar and take a look at chapter 10, verse 1. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. It says that the two priests go and get their censers. Uh, a censer, by the way, is a container that you burn incense in. Um, they go get theirs, and they start a fire in them, and they add incense. And then they bring this unauthorized incense, fire to the altar, and they put it on the altar. Now, remember why, for the most part, priests are sacrificing things on the altar. Most often they're doing it for sin. Most often, because people have found themselves in a predicament, a crisis, a problem, a darkness, when it's sin, it's of their own making, and they're going to the altar to get forgiveness. Well, we don't know exactly why these two guys do this. Were they drunk? Uh, did something happen the night before that now they needed forgiveness again already? Whatever the case is, they have a problem, and they think that the solution is fire on the altar, like what God did the day before. But what God did the day before is what God did, and the solution to the sin problem was not fire. It was God. So, 
they show up, but this time they bring the fire to the altar, their solution to their problem. And look at verse two. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. These two up-and-coming, self-assured, cocky priests take matters into their own hands. Maybe a better way to say it is, they rely on their duct tape solution. And God says in this moment, that is not going to be how my priests lead my people. And they die. And and what we learn in this short, obscure, two-verse story is that problem-solving without God just makes more problems. Problem solving without God just makes more problems. And and what this story is about is this temptation that we all have when we find ourselves with a situation that, that needs a fix, this temptation to try and duct tape our way out. Now, God explains this a little bit more clearly through one of his leaders, Isaiah. When he, he, God says this in Isaiah 50. Check this out. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. If you have a problem, if you have a situation, a crisis, you're in the dark and you have no light, trust in me, God says. Rely on me, he continues. But now, all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go, walk in the light of your fires and of the torches that you set ablaze. And this is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. God says, if your plan when in darkness is to light your own torch and find your own way out, you will find grief and you will find pain. And you know what? You're gonna be in a duct tape boat taking on water. Your your, your best efforts will only lead to more problems because problem solving without God just leads to more problems. But he says, if you rely on me, your God, I will be your fire, your, your torch. I will lead you out of this darkness and protect you, keep you safe. I will lead and guide you to where you need to be. All you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and the torches that you set ablaze. But let the one who walks in the dark who has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Let me, let me explain it in a story. Um, one day, father was looking through his kitchen window and he saw his small young son just trying to lift a really large stone out of his sandbox. And the boy was frustrated. He was like wrestling with this thing, but he just couldn't get enough leverage to lift the heavy stone out of the sandbox over the side. Well, finally, the boy gave up and he sat down dejected on the edge of the sandbox, you know, his head in his hands. And and so his dad went outside and he asked, what's wrong, son? Can't you lift that rock out? And and the boy said, no, I can't do it. And, And his dad asked, have you used all the strength that's available to you? And the boy replied, yes, sir. And his dad said, no, you haven't. You haven't asked me to help you. I wonder how many of us find ourselves in situations where we are scrambling to get out of our darkness and and we forget that we are not limited to our strength. We have access to God's strength and we have not asked him to help us. We haven't used all the strength 
that's available to us. And what the story of these two priests and what this Isaiah passage teach us is that you don't need to build a torch in the darkness because God becomes your torch. You don't need to build a torch to light a flame of your own making in the darkness because God becomes your torch. Now, to be clear, this doesn't mean that we don't try to solve problems. And, and what we do is we just pray for God to, to solve them for us. We, we have a value here at Crosswinds. It's actually one of our core values. Pray like it depends on God. Work like it depends on you. If you come here long enough, you'll hear us say that plenty. Um, this is not a message today meant to tell you that, that you shouldn't put effort into solving the problems and the, and the, and the crises and the dark moments that, that, that those things lead you into. But it's not just work like it depends on you. It is pray like it depends on God. And, and, and more, more to the point of the story that, that we, we read, there are some things that we do work in an effort to solve our problems that are the very things that keep us in the darkness. Wednesday morning this week, I woke up and I turned on the news and uh, I saw this story about a teenage girl and her mother. Maybe you saw this. A teenage girl and her mom from Florida who were arrested for stealing a homecoming queen election. Why is it that Florida is always where these stories come out of? Um, her problem was that she wasn't winning the, the, the homecoming queen votes. And so she and her mom, who is a principal at a local elementary school, um, they hacked into the school's online voting system and they added 246 fake votes. But the girl started leaking to her friends that she had done this and that's how she won. And uh, the friends told the people in charge at the high school and then they called the police because their computers had been used in an unauthorized manner and, and they were arrested and right now are facing trial where the DA has decided to charge this high school student as an adult. Uh, if convicted, she could face up to 16 years in prison for, for what? Her duct tape way of trying to become homecoming queen. Pray like it depends on God, work like it depends on you, but that doesn't mean that any work or every work is a work that you should do when you come across a problem in your life. See, there's a version of work that becomes lighting your own fire, creating your own torch, trying to lead yourself your own way. All right, you know you're doing this when your attempts to get out of the dark cause you to do questionable things. It's when you go to levels that you shouldn't go to to get out of the dark or, or the problem that you find yourself in. Like when we manipulate things to try and get the outcome that we desire, to try to get out of a problem or avoid a problem. Manipulation, that's lighting our own torch. It's when somebody confronts us and they say, I heard that you did this or you said this and I'm kind of upset about it. And we lie to them and we say, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. I don't know why somebody told you that. All right, that is duct tape. When we are this close to getting the score we need on something or, or, or the tax refund we want or, or the win that we've been waiting for in whatever thing we need to win and we choose to cheat so that we can avoid the problem of not getting the thing that we want. That is problem solving without God. And, and yes, the problem with that is that it is sin, but the other problem, and, and maybe it's the bigger one since our sins have been forgiven, we miss that God wants to be the light in the darkness. He wants to light your way, be your torch. You don't need duct tape because you've got him. 
There is a better solution to your problem, and this one will not leave you taking on water. God wants to be the torch, the flame that lights your darkness. And, and, and in fact, it's part of why he allows darkness to come into our lives. Um, this is how N.T. Wright puts it. We are not to be surprised if living as Christians brings us to the place where we find that we are at the end of our own resources and that we are called to rely on the God who raises the dead. Let me read that again. We shouldn't be surprised if as living as Christians, we find ourselves at the place where we are at the end of our own resources because God is calling us to rely on him, the God who raises the dead. Have you used all the strength that's available to you? In the darkness, you are to call on the God who has the power and the strength to raise the dead. Yes, you are to work to get out of your problems, but, but not just any work. There are, there are what we call constraints on the work that you're supposed to do. Get this, you have constraints. You are to work to get out of the tunnel, but don't do anything to get out of the tunnel. You are to constrain yourself to four things. You ready? What's good, what's loving, what's wise, and, and a really important fourth one, what's honest. Because good, loving, and wise, you can convince yourself that everything you do is good and loving and wise. But is it honest? If it's not, it's outside the constraints. Now, here's the thing about those constraints. They seem incredibly constraining. When your mind has ways to get you out of this, the constraints seem to lock you in. But can I tell you a secret about constraints? That's where God does creative things. Back in 1960, uh, two men made a bet, 50 bucks. Um, the first man was the founder of Random House Publishing. The second man was the man that we know as Dr. Seuss. The publisher proposed the bet. He challenged Dr. Seuss that he would not be able to write an entertaining children's book using only 50 different words. 50 different words. Uh, Seuss, you can use each one multiple times, but you only get 50. That's all you got. Dr. Seuss took the bet and won, and the result was a little book called Green Eggs and Ham. Uh, it became the most popular of his works. It was one of the best-selling children's books in history. Now, you might think, that is a lucky fluke. A, a talented author plays a fun game with 50 words, ends up producing a hit. But what Dr. Seuss discovered through this little bet was the power of constraints. Constraints are not the enemy. Every artist has a limited set of tools to work with, right? Every athlete has a limited set of skills to train with. Every entrepreneur has a limited amount of money to build with. Okay, once you know your constraints, that's where creativity happens. This author decided to take the tools he had available within the constraints and make a work of art. And, and what I so long for you to know is that you can solve your problems with duct tape or you can work like it depends on you within the constraints. And then watch God as you pray like it depends on him. Watch him create a real work of art out of your life. Would you consider this week where, where, where you might be going outside the constraints, working beyond what's good or, or loving or wise or honest in order to get what you want or get out of what you don't want? Would you think about where you might be bringing duct tape to a problem that God wants to solve? 
as we close this series, um, this is one where we've spent five weeks talking about this tunnel we've been in and, and how there's a light, but, but maybe it's, it's worth thinking about what we learned while we were in the tunnel. As we close, let me say, you know, this tunnel we've been talking about, yes, it's been a pandemic tunnel, but, but I know, I know from talking with many of you that we are in all sorts of tunnels. And what I hope for you as we hit the final stretch of this pandemic is that you will have learned in this long season to let God become the torch.